How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Eucalypt Speed Test Intelligence Data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. Good morning. On this Saturday, the 11th of June, I am joined from the University of Minnesota, Professor Emeritus Mary Meyer. Good morning, Mary. Good morning, Denny. Another wonderful day for gardening. Yes, it is. I am so glad, at least in our neighborhood, that we got some rain. I don't know about you, but I think we kind of needed it here and there. Yes, here and there. It was glad. I was glad to see it raining this morning. Um, I'm going to do some transplanting today, putting out some additional plants in my vegetable garden and doing some perennial division. So cloudy days are good days to put out transplants. They're not as shocked when there's not bright, sunny conditions. So still a lot of gardening things we can be doing. I guess there's always a lot of gardening things we can be doing. And there's always an excuse to do it, too. Absolutely. Yes. Uh, if you have any kind of a lawn or garden question, and if you are a regular listener to the show, you know we tend to get real busy real fast. So call or text Mary uh, your lawn or garden question. One number to remember, that is 651-461-9226. I forgot to mention this, Mary, the last time you were on. I opened up one of my magazines. I think it was like a home handyman or something. And there you were. An oh article. <laughs> and tell us about that for those that, that, that haven't seen that and, and uh, what that was about. Oh, let's see. I'm not sure what that might have been on. Probably about the grass collection, maybe. I think I still, so, yes. Yes, yeah, it was about your lawn. I still manage uh, and curate the grass collection out at the Arboretum. So uh, always buying new kinds of grasses out there. But this year, the grass collection is 35 years since we planted it at the Arboretum. So we've got a lot of information about hardiness for grasses, which ones will live in Minnesota. And later in the summer, when the grasses, these big landscape grasses get big and are flowering, we'll have an open house uh, the end of August and the one another one the end of September. So those are free events with admission at the Arboretum. So I'll be at the collection with some of the publications we have from Extension, talking about how grasses benefit the environment. This year, uh, Little Bluestem, one of our wonderful native grasses, is the perennial plant of the year selection. So that's one that we're talking about more than normal, Little Bluestem. But you'll be able to see a lot of the grasses and how they have done over the years and look at plants that have been in place for 35 years. Now, when is that going to happen, Mary? 
Um, there are two dates, uh, and they're posted um, on the Arboretum website. I think it's, uh, I'll get those exactly, but sure. I think it's like August uh, 23rd and September 22nd. They'll be from like 3 to 6 in the afternoon. So, uh, yeah, they're free with gate uh, or membership admission um, at the Arboretum. And we'll uh, we'll pick up on that, uh, as we always like to do. To, to talk about the Arboretum, great place to visit. Uh, again, if you uh, have any kind of a lawn or garden question, call it in, text it in to Mary at uh, 651-461-9226. Mary, this text came in a bit ago. It says, I, I let some field peas from a cover crop mix uh, grow just for fun. Is there anything I can do with field peas other than uh, wait for them to dry? Uh, probably not. Uh the drying and using them as a dry pea and then cooking them is probably the best idea. Field peas are really grown more for their foliage and as a as what this person did as a cover crop to add nitrogen to the soil. So it's the plant itself that's the most beneficial. Um, I'm not sure how productive they actually are with uh, the number of peas that you will get, but if you don't harvest them when they're very tender and young, they're going to be tough. The pods are, and everything are going to be tough. So the best bet is, yeah, to dry the peas down and then use them as you would a like a dried bean. Okay. Let's uh, pick up on uh, some phone conversations here. Connie, I think, is first up here calling in from uh, Minneapolis this morning. Uh, Connie, good morning. You're on with Mary. Uh, uh, a shrub uh, bordering my backyard, a verbena shrub that is covered in little teeny, they look like army worms. They're about four millimeters long, tiny little things, but they're completely destroying the whole, the whole line of shrubs. Do you have any idea what that is? Uh, without seeing it, I don't. But you can see them. It sounds like they're a tiny slug beetle or uh, some type of a larva that's feeding on that. Um, if I were you, I, I would uh, look at it closely and try to match it with what insect is this. It's a uh, part of our website with extension.umn.edu. The critical thing is identifying the insect, and then you'll know when to, uh, how to control it, and what it is, and what its life cycle is. Many insects that you can see, if you can see it feeding now, um, then it's an idea of uh, shaking it off or using insecticidal soap or some other treatment. But it really depends on what the insect is. I think you said it's a vibe. Burnham shrub. Those are many yes. of our native shrubs. Several of those are uh, very, uh, very tough and very hardy. But um, I can look up also and see if I can take a guess at what it might be this time of year. Okay. And you mentioned the website. We'll do that from time to time. Extension.umn.edu. Uh, before we Okay, and you mentioned the website. We'll do that from time to time, extension.umn.edu. Uh, before we break, let's take another phone call. Mike calling in from Plymouth uh, this morning. Mike, you're on CCO with Mary. What is your question, please? Yeah, question about a uh, very large uh, 25-year-old wisteria vine I've got that grows over a, an arbor in my backyard, and it needs some really serious pruning. There's a lot of uh, dead undergrowth of vines 
And I'm just wondering, number one, if there is a place for me to look to see how to do that. And number two, if I don't think that I'm able to do it, um, could you recommend the type of person I would call who could do it? Yes. Uh, good for you, Mike, with that 25-year-old wisteria. There are a lot of people in Minnesota trying to grow uh, wisteria, but there are some strains that you prove that are hardy here. Um, you, you cut off whatever is dead. Anything that's dead and uh, probably, as you say, underneath, that can be cut off without hurting the plant at all. You can do quite a bit of pruning on wisteria. In milder climates, it's very hard to keep them in bounds because they're such big, vigorous, heavy vines. So the pruning, and you could prune off a third of it without uh, doing damage uh, to the plant. Um, if you don't want to prune it yourself, you're looking for someone else to prune it, I would look uh, for a recommended arborist. I would think about it kind of in the same realm as someone who cuts trees. Now, obviously, they're not going to be climbing up in the tree, but somebody who has the equipment and uh, can take out large pieces of it because it's going to be large enough. They're probably going to need a chipper or something to, uh, to shred it up. So I would look for recommended arborists. We have a, uh, information on the website about how to choose an arborist, but we don't recommend individual arborists, but we'll tell you uh, some things to look for. When you look online, um, you can go to um, the Minnesota Nursery and Landscape Association, and they have a list of all their members and so on that are in there. You could ask neighbors or friends as well. But I'd recommend reading the brochure that we have up about how to choose an arborist. Very good. Mary, we need to take a quick break here. We have more show to come. If you have uh, any kind of lawn or garden question for Mary Meyer, call it in or text it in, 651 Right now in the Twin Cities, uh, overcast, you may still see a few showers where you are. Our current official CCO temperature reading 65 degrees. Good morning. Welcome back to our Smart Garden Show around every Saturday here on CCO in the 8 o'clock hour. Denny Long here along with Mary Meyer from the University of Minnesota answering your lawn and garden questions. And Mary, of course, we have many, thousands, it seems like, <laughs> as a matter of fact. Uh, I tell you what, let's do this. I want to grab, we have so many text messages as well, and we have callers too. But uh, I don't want to forget about our texters. Let me run through a couple of real fast, and then we'll uh, pick up on the phones. Uh, is it okay to pack manure under my rhubarb leaves and water it in? Yes, a great idea. Uh, composted or older manure is preferred, but um, yes, uh, rhubarb really responds to manure. So great idea oh, to good. do that and good timing right now. Very good. This texter ordered a bare root sugar maple from a major seed company months ago. Just arrived yesterday. How long can I wait to plant it? I still need to have the utility companies come to mark the yard, and is it okay to plant it when it's over 90 degrees? Uh, that's really rough. <laughs> we hardly have any choice, though, going ahead. So I would certainly unpack it. Uh, I would take the um, plastic bag that's off the roots, and I'd put the, or at least make sure that the roots are moist if you leave the plastic 
plastic bag on. They're usually the roots are usually packed with some moss, some peat moss or or a peat, so that it's moist around the roots. You want to keep it as cool as possible. If you have a cool uh, basement refrigerator, 40 degrees, 50 degrees is good. Cool temperatures keep the roots moist. Usually 24 hours before I plant a bare root plant, I take it completely out of the bag. You can leave some of the peat on it, but no plastic. And I put the roots in water. So I put the whole thing standing in a bucket of water, just the roots, keep those roots really moist. And you could do that for up to 24 hours before you actually plant the bare root plant. Uh, but it, it's, it's bad being in the bag. It's bad being not planted. I would go ahead and plant it even with the hot weather um, as, as soon as you can and then make sure you water it well. Okay. Let's grab a phone call from Vincent uh, this morning. Uh, Vincent calling in from uh, Hastings, I believe. Vincent, thank you. You're on with Mary. Yes. Uh, my question is black walnut trees. I understand that's a problem close to a garden. Uh, I guess, double question, how close, but more specifically, what's the effect and is it on gardening in general or just specific plants? It is on specific plants. The whole black walnut tree, especially the roots, produce a chemical called juglone, and that is toxic to many plants. Uh, some people, well, tomatoes, we often think tomatoes are a signature plant that will die underneath a black walnut tree. So how close is it? Um, well, pretty much under the drip line. So the closer you are to the trunk, the worse it's going to be. So you want to get out, you know, 50 feet, 30 feet, something like that minimum. So no, completely away from the shade of the black walnut tree. Turf grass will grow, grow fine under black walnut trees, lawn grasses, but many other plants will not. We have a list of the plants that are tolerant to black walnuts and, and then vice versa, ones that really die under them. That's in a publication that's up online, the best plants for 30 tough sites. You can Google that and find that online at the University of Minnesota. Um, and there are a lot of other lists. Different uh, lists will come up online. Many times it's just uh, you, the plants will die or not do well there. Fruit trees don't do well. So more plants die under black walnut than live. So it mm. is tough to have a garden there. Very good. Thank you, Vincent. Uh, listener says, early girl tomato plant has pinholes starting on a few leaves. What's that about? Not sure. They're, again, hard to tell. Maybe flea beetles. My guess, first guess would be flea beetles, which are a common um, insect. And they, they are like a tiny little black insect, and they jump like a flea, so it is hard to see them. Again, I tried to uh, go online and see if you can match that up. I did that with a viper. We had that collar earlier, and oh, yes. I found the yeah the viburnum leaf beetle, not a very <laughs> specific name, but there is a leaf beetle, tiny little larva, kind of slug-like larva, does feed especially on viburnum dentatum, the air 
pearl wood. That's a beautiful five burner, but the leaf beetles tend to love that this time of year. You can see holes all over them. So uh, insecticidal soap or spinosad. Spinosad is a uh, biological control. But again, with the, with the uh, tomato here, I try to figure out what insect is it by matching pictures with the, the uh, website because, you know, it's it's what plant is it? And then you have a choice of looking at a lot of different pictures for the damage and the insect. Okay. Before we look at the forecast, let's get another phone call in here. I believe Elaine is calling in from Invergrove this morning. Elaine, good morning. What's your question for Mary good Meyer? Good morning. I, we have several ant holes, ant nests out in our yard. What can we do about it? Oh, uh, try to increase your tolerance, I think, Elaine. It's a tough thing. Um, there, well, there are some things you can do about it. Um, you can buy a chemical controls ant baits that are sold in garden center stores. These are chemicals that will actually kill the ants and will not hurt your lawn. Um, you can rake the nest out. You could try to remove it to try to discourage the ants from uh, nesting there. Um, if it was in your uh, walk or something, I would tell you to use something like hot water on it because hot water will kill ants, but hot water will kill your grass. So you can't use um, hot water on it. But from a grass standpoint, it might not be too bad. I have a number of uh, ant hills in my own lawn, and the grass still continues to grow. They're, it's not really bothered by them. But um, the ant baits, I think, are your best bet if you really wanted to kill uh, the ants. All right, we're going to take a break, have a look at that forecast, and have about another half hour of the show to go. It's a smart garden show here on CCO. So those folks hanging on the phone, hang in there. We'll pick up on text messages as well. Here on News Talk 830-WCCO, stay with us. And welcome back to our Smart Garden Show. Denny Long along with Mary Meyer from the University of Minnesota answering your lawn and garden questions this morning. Uh, a lot of callers, a lot of texters, Mary, so we'll, uh, we'll get to them. But I, I want, we always like to mention every week the Arboretum. It's such a great resource. And for those who maybe have never been there, I mean, it, re it really is, uh, is a treat. I'm going to head out there with uh, one of my daughters here coming up real soon. Can't wait to see it again. It really is a fun place for the whole family, too. Yes, it certainly is, Denny. There, we have uh, lots of things that people can do and see. And, of course, now in the spring, there's so many things that are blooming. Uh, the iris are just fabulous now. We have a huge iris collection um, along what we call iris pond, but there's so many of them that are blooming, just gorgeous. Uh, there's still quite a few azaleas that are out. The azaleas are, are gorgeous um, as well. And then the peonies, the peonies are just starting to come. So just so many things that are blooming. The yellow lady slipper, that's one of our native wildflowers, uh, that is out as well. And the umbrella magnolia, this is a this is a deciduous tree, but the gigantic leaves and big white flowers. I think of it as more of a southern tree, but um, it's not an 
evergreen magnolia, but it is one that we can grow here. So you could see so many different plants at the Arboretum. And we do have events. We have yoga. There's a yoga retreat coming up. Uh, we have firefly viewing nights coming up later in the month of June. And we have fall moon walks. So lots of fun things to do uh, with your family as well at the Arboretum. How do we get there? I know we you, you get online to kind of reserve your entrance there, right? Yeah, you you need to reserve um, a ticket or reserve a time if you're a member. And everyone has to have a, an admission ticket. You do that online. Uh, there, it's every half hour, um, every day of the, you know, coming up so you can reserve, you can go plan for Father's Day and get a time uh, that's perfect for your family to go out there. But you do need a reservation online. And then it is west of the city. It's at the junction, just west of highways 41 and 5 on the west side of the city. Yeah, great place. Uh, back to the text screen, then we'll grab a bunch of phone calls. Here's one. It says, uh, I planted a five-foot high, uh, river birch two weeks ago. Most of the leaves are yellow and dry. Should I just keep watering and hope for the best? Yes, uh, I would do that. Uh, same thing. Keep keep watering and hope for the best. Yep. Okay. Let's grab a phone call uh, next. Uh, Jim has been waiting there, calling in from uh, Star Prairie, Wisconsin, I believe. Uh, Jim, thanks for waiting. What's your question for Mary? Uh, Mary, I have two questions. Uh, the first one is we have been invaded by moles, so if I need some ideas on that. And I'm an old pocket gopher trapper that was very successful, and I've tried getting the moles, and I can't get them yet. The second one is we have some iris plants, and we have a uh, golden retriever that likes to eat them. Are they poisonous for them? Oh, boy, two tough questions, Jim. Um, the moles are hard to really get rid of. Trapping them is the best, most conclusive way to go to get rid of moles. Uh, the traps are kind of frightening for moles because they have a big, uh, they kind of drop down with a big um, blade that's activated when the mole runs through the runway. So not, nothing that you want to have anywhere near children, etc. But you can buy those mole traps at a garden center. That is the most definitive way to get rid of moles. They are in there. They're herbivores. They're eating insects and so on in the soil, and they're looking for insects. If there's no food, they end up leaving. So they, they do tend to come and go as a food uh, supply chain. The iris, um, I really can't answer your question about what is poisonous to an animal with, a, with plants. Uh, I, I could kind of guess better ones than I can, but dogs and cats, really, um, you need to talk to a veterinarian on that. I, I don't know that iris are um, um, poisonous to any animal, but the other day a friend was telling me that lilies are poisonous for cats, and I would never have guessed that. Mm -hmm. So I, I can't say because I'm not a veterinarian on uh, toxicity for iris and dogs. Check with your vet. Good point. Yeah. Uh, when should we put uh, netting on strawberries? Uh, I, that's a good thing to do as soon as possible. Netting does protect a lot of strawberries from insects. The tarnished plant bug is a notorious insect on uh, strawberries. So, so I would say I would I would do it uh, now, right? Okay. Another phone call. Karen calling in from uh, St. Paul. 
this morning. Karen, thank you. What is your question for Mary? Yes, uh, the last couple of weeks I haven't been able to get the 830 on my Bose radio or in the car. Uh, has there been something done with the reception? Is it being worked on? Will it get better? No, no there have been no changes. No changes whatsoever, Karen. Hmm. It was, I remember an old joke on TV. It said, that we are not experiencing network difficulty. Please adjust your set. <laughs> so I, I, uh, no, I can tell you there have been no changes in transmitter power or anything like that. So I'm not sure what the issue is, Karen. Good question. I don't know. Uh, Richard is calling in from Mora. Hope Richard can pick us up okay. Hi, Richard. What's your question for Mary? Well, um, over the winter, we had some winter kill in the lawn, and then it's infested with mold. Uh, we never had mold before. We've been removing it. Uh, is there any spray that'll kill it or? Because it might come back. I don't know. Yeah, so mold is usually an indication of poor drainage or uh, poor air circulation. So I would encourage you to think about perhaps having an aeration done on your lawn. You usually have to rent that equipment or have uh, uh, one of the lawn care service companies um, do the aeration, but that will help to improve compaction and the air circulation around the plants will help the grass grow instead of mold uh, that's growing there. Um, anything that you can do to improve sunlight in that area too, usually that's more of something that we see in uh, shadier conditions. So improving a light if that's possible. I would um, urge you to think about using fine fescue to reseed in those areas because that has more of a tolerance for shady uh, conditions. There's a lawn question, Mary. Does uh, grass that goes to seed ever help my lawn? Uh, usually we are cutting off the flower stalks before that seed will fully develop and then set seed itself and drop down. So usually it's not um, producing that much seed, even though you see the flowers and which if you didn't cut it and let it go totally brown and the seed would ripen, then you might get some, but not many people are willing to do that because most of us want the green foliage. We don't want those brown seed heads that come uh, as the lawn grasses mature. Right. Uh, 651-461-9226 is our number, phone, and text. Uh, my William Baffin Shrub Roses texter says, have both larger holes in the leaves and brownish spots that make the leaves appear to look moth-eaten. Does this suggest both insects and fungus? Uh, certainly insects. I'm not so sure about fungal diseases. William Baffin is one of our largest roses. If you want a big climber, big rose. William Baffin will do the job for you. Beautiful, covered with flowers. Many times we can't grow big roses here, but William Baffin is a real uh, vigorous grower from Minnesota. Uh, it, it's such a vigorous plant that unless you have 
you know, approaching 50% damage on the leaves, I wouldn't worry too much about it. I would do a lot of inspection to see if you can find what uh, the insects look like that are doing damage. Japanese beetles like roses, but of course they're not out yet. So um, try to try to determine what the insect is and um, maybe improve the air circulation. William Baffin can have multiple big canes on it. So doing some pruning might improve the air circulation and reduce if it is a fungal disease. Looking at this next text, Mary, it might be well served to check out the university's website, but it says, I lost eight pine trees in recent storms. What flowering shrubs would grow well in those spots? Oh, there are a lot that you can choose from with flowering shrubs. You know, the lilacs have just finished and there are multiple species of lilacs. So you can have lilacs bloom over, you know, a month. And then tree lilacs, that's a small tree, but another beautiful flowering shrub. Then there are many of our native viburnums. We were talking about the viburnum leaf beetle, but there's a lantana viburnum. There's, uh, there are many uh, viburnums that would work there. So yes, but you're right. The website, we have uh, how to select plants and we have Julie Weisenhorn's um, uh, plant database online that you put in the plants. And we have Julie Weisenhorn's um, uh, plant database online that you put in the height of the plant you want, if you want flowers, and it will come up with lots of choices. Another thing to do is this time if you go to a garden center, uh, they have, of course, many plants for sale, but they're flowering. And going at different times of the year, seeing what's flowering right now in the spring versus what's flowering um, in July. We get to a lot of hydrangeas, another huge number of uh, selections and size with hydrangeas. So lots of choices. A lot of choices. All right. Uh, hang on, Mary. We're going to take a quick break. We have more show to come here on this uh, Saturday morning. Uh, keep in mind, coming up in the next hour, Andy Lindis will be answering your home improvement questions. So keep those in mind. Here on News Talk 830 WCCO 65 Degrees. Good morning. Welcome back to our Smart Garden Show around here on CCO every Saturday in the 8 o'clock hour, welcoming your lawn and garden questions. This morning, Mary Meyer from the U of M answering those very questions, uh, which, Mary, there are still tons uh, to uh, to wade through here. We appreciate all the questions. Uh, here's one that says, we bought blue hydrangeas, but they're blooming pink. How come? Yes, uh, sir. Certain species of hydrangeas are affected by the acidity of the soil. So the pH of the soil can determine the flower color. And this is a challenge because to change the pH of the soil requires quite a bit of work. Um, so uh, it, it's a, it is a challenge, but we have directions for how to do that online uh, on the website. But it's something you have to do on an annual basis. I would really uh, consider, I, I would urge you to consider enjoying the blue flowers that you have and uh, trying to purchase other hydrangeas. Most of them are white, 
uh, for our climate, white or pinks that will uh, go from white to pink as they age. So um, it, it's easier to get pink than it is to get blue ones, but uh, it's a challenge and it requires um, a timing and how big your plant is doing it on a regular basis. Okay. This texter says, I know the recommended window for pruning crab apples has gone by, but is it okay to prune off visibly dead branches now? I did not notice them prior to leafing out. Yes, it is okay to continue to prune uh, your your tree. You could, I do pruning on a lot of deciduous trees um, up until about the 4th of July. I usually do uh, quit pruning uh, by the 4th of July. The one exception is oaks. You don't do any pruning on oaks when they're actively growing because of the beetles that spread uh, oak wilt and are attracted to that. But for a crabapple, you can continue to prune that now. Okay. This listener wants to know, when is the best time to transplant a peony? In the fall. Right now, peonies are putting most of their energy up into the flowers. So the resources of the uh, roots are at their lowest point. So if you wait till later uh, August, uh, early September, the resources are back down in the roots again. So when you move them, most of the resources, carbohydrates in the roots will stay there. They'll fall much better for for a transplanting a peony. All right, let's see, two, three minutes to go. Can multiple geraniums be planted in a pot and be kept for years and years, or do they need a lot of room? We have lots of old ones, and we'd like to combine them to lessen the number of pots in the house over the winter. You can combine them. Uh, they, you know, being crowded, depending on the size of the pot, you can have two or three plants in one pot. It will just mean that you need to water it more and that you will have to use uh, fertilizer on a more regular basis. But you only need to really worry about that fertilizer when the plants are actively growing through spring uh, and summer. Yes, I, I know many gardeners, probably many listeners, do keep geraniums um, overwintering them. Some keep them actively growing inside all winter. Others let them have a dormant period and cut them back, and they tend to come back again uh, from the base. But uh, yes, you could certainly do that. Oh, I think we may have time for one more, maybe two. This listener is dividing slash transplanting some grasses. Can I cut them back is one question. Will they grow to their full height this year? They're usually very tall with beautiful plumes. I love grasses, this texter says. Oh, good. Yes, dividing the grasses, you can do that right now. Um, I would definitely cut them back. You want to cut it back any brown foliage that was there from last year because grasses die back to the ground again. And then um, I would even cut off the green foliage that's there by about one half because in dividing them, you lose a lot of the roots. You don't have enough roots to compensate for the top that's there. So I'd cut back the green top as well. And then um, just keep them well watered um, after you're finished dividing them. Okay. Let's see if we can't do one more here. Uh, this texture says, I have a very large bright green caterpillar feeding on my perennial sundrops. The U of M extension has identified it as the white-lined sphinx moth caterpillar. Is this moth a good thing for the cool. garden or not? Cool. Sorry? 
Uh, yes, I think I think that it is. Uh, I would say uh, the sphinx moths are ones that are fairly not uh, as common, but I would yeah I would do some searching on that and read about that sphinx moth. I think it's a desirable one that um, you should uh, just leave it alone, let it go into its uh, uh, pupil stage, and then it will emerge later on. We know we have tremendous losses with our insects, so learning about which ones are beneficial um, is very important. It is a good idea. Uh, we are just about out of time, Mary. Let's uh, give the information on uh, the, uh, the university website, which is great reading. Yes, extension.umn.edu, and uh, you can click on uh, Yard and Garden. You can find lots of good information there about what plants to plant, what insects do you have, what, um, what, what weed is this, how to take care of lots of different things. Excellent. Always a pleasure, Mary. And, and by the way, let's get to the Arboretum. Yes, always a pleasure. Great to talk to you, Denny, about gardening. Thanks very much, Mary. Mary Meyer, uh, Professor Emeritus Mary Meyer from the University of Minnesota. Always fun to chat with Mary. We'll be back again, of course, uh, next week with more uh, Garden Talk. Get those home improvement questions ready in the meantime. Andy Lindis will be answering those uh, very things coming along next hour on CCU. And by the way, I'll be uh, filling in for Susie Jones tomorrow morning in our Health Hour and the, the Your Money Show. And uh, we're going to be talking with a physician assistant uh, who works with the ear, nose, and throat folks. So if you have any questions along those lines, join us tomorrow morning at 7 here on News Talk 830 WCCO. Again, home improvement next hour right now in the Twin Cities. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this. Why? A lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Celebrate and save at Ashley's Anniversary Sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep Mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. We all agree that reducing carbon emissions is a good thing. And once again, Toyota is leading the way. We hear a lot about fully electric vehicles, and Toyota has them with more on the way. But we also know a BEV is not for everyone, whether it's because of cost, range, or concern about finding a charging station when you need it. Plus, the raw materials used to manufacture batteries are limited. Enter Beyond Zero, Toyota's vision for a carbon-neutral future. In vehicles and in manufacturing plants, too, in the years ahead. The materials used to make just one long-range battery for an EV could be used to make batteries for six plug-in hybrids or 90 gas-electric hybrids. That's why Toyota's position today is electrified diversified, empowering you to choose how to reduce your own carbon footprint with the vehicle that's right for you. A hybrid, plug-in hybrid, or battery EV. So shop, learn more, and get details at toyota.com slash beyond zero. Toyota, let's go places.